Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler and this week's episode is the third of our policy specials. In case you didn't know, the recent government reshuffle has meant there's a new digital secretary in place. Christy and James get into what advertisers and members can expect from the government's plans to change aspects of GDPR following Brexit. And we've got the full download on all things HFSS. Everything from what's exempt through to how it will actually be regulated. So sit back and enjoy the oral delight that is this latest IAB UK policy special. The IAB UK podcast. Hello, you join us uh, just after the summer recess. Uh, MPs have been away. We've all been away uh, trying to get away on staycations all over the country. Uh, But Parliament is now back. MPs are busily running in and out of the House of Commons and the House of Lords. Uh, And there's an awful lot going on. Uh, A number of kind of big policy announcements have already uh, come out in September. Uh, There's been a full kind of governmental reshuffle. So we have an entirely new DCMS team, uh, including a new digital uh, Culture, Media and Sports Secretary in Nadine Dorries. But we wanted to use this podcast just to talk about two of the kind of major things that we're currently working on. Uh, there's a lot going on, but uh, two things which are kind of uh, front of mind for us uh, continue to be HFSS, the government's uh, plan to uh, ban HFSS ads online. Uh, and also there's been a, a big consultation launched by the government on uh, the UK's data protection regime and uh, the regulations surrounding that. So first up, the HFSS plan. So the last episode that we did of the podcast, uh, the government had announced uh, through the health and care bill that it was definitely going to be introducing a ban for uh, a total ban for uh, HFSS ads online. And that's all we knew, um, just that there would be a total ban. Since then, there have been there's been a kind of an awful lot of uh, lobbying, a lot of uh, kind of industry interest in the subject, as you'd imagine. And um where we land now, uh, we've got a few uh, of the details and the government has kind of set out uh, what that ban actually looks like. Um, but there are a few kind of um, a number really of, of important exemptions and caveats to that ban. So, Christy, I wonder if you could just take us through kind of where we now find ourselves with this HFSS uh, ban plan. So when is a turtle ban not a turtle ban? <laughs> it is still a very widespread ban. Uh, in terms of online ads and online media, but um, it's not as bad as uh, we thought it would be to begin with. And the government's proposals are slightly less uh, wide-ranging, let's say, than where they started out, very much uh, thanks in part to industry lobbying um, to try to ensure that the policy was more proportionate and targeted. So as a quick reminder, the idea of this policy is to tackle child obesity in the UK by restricting HFSS ads. So in terms of actually what is allowed, um, so things that are not part of the ban, uh, brand advertising will be permitted online as long as it doesn't feature HFSS product that's within the scope of the ban. The list of products that are not permitted to be advertised is much narrower than where it started. Um, there is a kind of two-part test as to whether a product is part of the ban or not. Number one is whether it fits into a list of categories that the government has set out as being um, prohibited online. And the second is, if it falls into that category, is it classed as HFSS according to a uh, nutrient profiling model, which I'm sure all marketers of HFSS products will be familiar with. So those products cannot be advertised online, but other products can. 
SMEs are actually exempt from the ban. Um, the sort of broad criteria is that's companies that are less than 250 employees in the UK. If they're involved in uh, marketing or selling or making HSS products, then they can advertise online. And for um, all kinds of uh, companies, large or small, marketing in their own spaces is also going to be uh, permitted. So it's really a ban on paid for B2C ads. So content on brands own websites or their own social media content that's not paid for, for example, that will still be permitted as well. Uh, and finally, in terms of media, so whilst pretty much any kind of online advertising format or medium that you can think of is included in the scope of the ban, which means that if an ad uh, falls into the categories that we've just talked about, it cannot be advertised online. However, um, audio-only media are exempt from the ban. So things like podcasts and online-only radio, uh, as well as things like digital out-of-home, will be uh, able to carry HFSS ads. We should say as a reminder to listeners that we already have, of course, HFSS advertising rules in the UK which are designed to uh, limit um, the exposure that children have to HFSS product ads. Um, those rules will need to be reviewed as well in light of the new uh, restrictions. So for now, those rules continue to apply across all online media, all online formats and all HFSS products. Um, it remains to be seen exactly how the new regime will be kind of incorporated into the existing rules or vice versa. And, uh, and what, yeah, what do we know about the, uh, how the new rules, uh, the new ban is, is likely to be regulated and uh, how kind of compliance works? So in terms of regulation, actually what we should see in practice is pretty much what we have today for existing HFSS rules. So Ofcom will be designated by the government formally as the regulator that's responsible for enforcement of the new regime, both in broadcast and online. In reality, though, in terms of day-to-day uh, -day management, it's likely that Ofcom will give that responsibility to the ASA. So exactly as we have today, they will be responsible day-to-day -day for providing guidance uh, through CAP and enforcing the rules in practice. And also, consistent with what we have today, compliance with the rules will be the responsibility of advertisers themselves. So it is their responsibility to ensure that they know what the rules are and to ensure that their ads, where they do run, um, are compliant with the law. Um, and that's very much exactly the same as what we have with existing CAP code rules today. So it should be quite a familiar setup for advertisers and agencies and their partners. Okay, good stuff. Um... So yeah, a lot more clarity on kind of what we're looking at. We are working hard to uh, establish the further details um, and kind of really get into the um, nitty gritty of exactly what's, uh, what's going to be allowed and what won't be. But those will kind of become uh, clearer as well, kind of as the, the health and care bill, which this proposal is a part of, uh, and working as, as that, that bill works its way through Parliament, uh, kind of a bit more detail will, uh, will come out because once the, uh, the bill uh, reaches, uh, kind of gets royal assent and uh, gets written into law, uh, there'll then be kind of secondary legislation and uh, regulator guidance produced for industry, um, which, will, which will include a lot more detail. Um, so we're kind of working to, uh, to see what the direction of travel is with that. And very much still kind of in the IB is, is kind of very much engaging still with uh, MPs on this subject and kind of trying to explain um, what, what uh, better solutions might look like and, um, and 
around kind of timings as well. Uh, we're saying on, on the kind of timings front, the implementation is planned, uh, the government says, uh, to be the very beginning of uh, 2023. So that's that's when the government's currently um, intending for uh, for this ban to um, uh, to kind of kick in. But uh, more as we get it with that, and uh, we'll be keeping you uh, and uh, IB members very very kind of uh, carefully up to date with uh, with the kind of key um, developments on that. Second thing that we wanted to speak about, uh, as I mentioned, is uh, the government's come out with a new consultation, which was uh, launched. Uh, fresh just after the summer uh, in September. It's on data and the UK's uh, kind of data regulations and uh, data regulation re- regime. Uh, there's an awful lot in the consultation and it has a potentially very broad scope in kind of what it's what it's looking at, what it's suggesting and proposing. Um, government as a whole, it seems to be um, trying to find a balance between um, being having a, a kind of data regime which is both business friendly but also um, uh, kind of keeps in mind and uh, pays so much to uh, privacy and public safety, uh, which is a kind of traditionally a, a pretty uh, difficult balance for the government to uh, to find. Uh, but Christy, can you uh, take us through a little bit from that consultation that are most pertinent to uh, the digital advertising industry? Absolutely. I definitely shall not be attempting to surmise the whole 150 pages of the proposals, but I'm going to pick out um, some of the things that are particularly relevant, I think, for digital advertising and, and our members. There is, of course, I should say as well, uh, self-evidently, a lot to digest and the devil is in the detail. Um, so we are spending time over the next couple of weeks to really analyse exactly what's being proposed and understand the impact. And of course, um, when we've got more detail, then we'll share that around. But in terms of uh, things to be aware of at the moment, so the government, as you've said, James, is trying to um, look at rebalancing perhaps some of the current UK data protection regime um, to be a bit more business friendly um, without undermining people's rights and protections. And I guess it remains to be seen whether that's uh, possible. But they're certainly uh, having a good go. So some of the main areas that interest um, us are around the government trying to respond to concerns about over-reliance on consent as a legal basis for processing data even for low-risk activities um, and that consent is currently required for almost all types of cookies Um, and as well in terms of the kind of consumer side of things they recognize that cookie banners often don't work well in practice and people find them annoying they're not particularly risk-based because Uh, not least because nearly all types of cookies require prior consent and you don't necessarily get meaningful engagement um, from from that approach even though um, it is required by law essentially to meet the notice and transparency and consent requirements. So one of the things the government is looking to do is to review the use of legitimate interests as a legal basis under UK GDPR So that's one of the different legal bases that um, companies can consider at the moment for processing personal data. The government thinks actually there are circumstances where it could set out a list essentially of circumstances where legitimate interests could be used without individual um, companies or data processors and controllers having to do a legitimate interest balancing test. And one of the examples that they've given is processing that is necessary for audience measurement. So I should say the scope of the proposal 
in this respect is unclear at the moment. The implication is that what they've got in mind here is um, data processing related to sort of first party analytics uh, and measurement, for example. Um, but ideally, this could cover advertising and affiliate measurement as well. So that could be uh, a benefit. Of course, cookie consent is a separate requirement um, under the EU privacy legislation. So there'd need to be corresponding changes there. And the government is also looking at making changes to the privacy and electronic communications regulations or uh, what we know of as the cookie law. So one of the changes they're looking at here um, is to distinguish between which cookies require prior consent and which ones perhaps don't. So they recognise that current approaches, as I said earlier, aren't really risk-based um, and contribute to the proliferation of consent banners, which, whilst they're necessary in one form or another to meet the requirements of the legislation, they can create friction for people just wanting to use online services and they can create burdens for businesses. So the government's proposing that they could effectively declassify some kinds of cookies from the prior consent requirements. Um, again, they give analytics as an example. So cookies that have low or minimal privacy impact um, wouldn't need uh, prior consent. I should point out that the government is, has been very clear that this doesn't, uh, wouldn't apply to cookies used for things like uh, real-time bidding. And another area that they're exploring uh, in the same vein is the potential for people to be able to set data choices and privacy choices through uh, software or browsers or third-party mechanisms so that they can make a longer lasting choice about their data use which could apply across all sorts of um, sites and apps online. So that is something we have heard uh, talked about before um, at EU level when they were or rather they still are looking to revise the privacy legislation at EU level. <clears throat> Um, and so I think one of the things that we need to be aware of there um, is that if people are given the ability to set their data choices rather than on a site-by-site -site basis, for example, uh, to do that on a more global basis, um, we need to make sure that that doesn't undermine the conversations that providers of uh, content and services have with their users about the ad-funded business model and the reason that they want to use their data. So essentially the kind of conditionality aspect. So we need to take a closer look at that as well. But ultimately, uh, the government has said it could even look at removing cookie content requirements altogether. And arguably, in any case, um, consent is covered, or rather cookies are covered by UK GDPR anyway. Um, so it may well be that they uh, actually streamline the legislation in this area. As you said, very broad ranging, a lot to look out for, um, some of which could be beneficial for digital advertising. If, for example, um, advertising and affiliate measurement cookies didn't require prior consent. Um, but there are some risks too, um, so we need to uh, take a closer look there. And then finally, there are also some changes proposed around the ICO, so the Information Commissioner's Office and its role and how it uh, goes about its duties. Um, and the government is proposing that it could give more strategic steer to the ICO and, for example, could require economic impact assessments for things like new codes and significant new guidance. So it's really good to see the government recognising the impact of data and privacy uh, regulation on things like the economy and competition, uh, which has certainly been an issue for us in the past. In terms of kind of watch outs, I think uh, data adequacy, uh, which was so long in coming and uh, so 
<laughs> painful to wait for um, is obviously really important for the UK. So we would need to ensure that changes don't undermine the adequacy status of the UK's uh, regime, particularly with the EU. Um, and also there's clearly a risk of fragmentation. So one of the benefits that GDPR and the privacy directive to a slightly lesser extent brought was consistency across markets. Um, and obviously if the UK sort of diverges from that, then you do get risk of fragmentation. Um, and there's a question as to whether the benefits can be realized in practice uh, if online providers have to accommodate uh, users both from the EU and the UK. Um, but as ever, it'll probably be always a case of weighing up the pros and the cons. Blimey. Okay, and that was just a few of the uh, of the bits in the consultation document that are, uh, are kind of most pertinent to digital advertising. At the IAB, we're still very much working through the uh, the consultation document and um, very much kind of welcome members' views, uh, IAB members' views. If, if you've got a kind of uh, particular take on anything in the consultation document, then please do get in touch with us. Uh, the consultation closes on the 19th of November, and up until that point, Christy and I will continue to practice our dramatic readings of the full 150 pages of it uh, which perhaps will take to the Edinburgh Fringe next year. That's all uh, for this week so we're going to uh, kind of close there and uh, see you on the next policy podcast. Thanks. The IAB UK podcast. Christy Denehy-Neal and James Davis from the IAB's policy and regs team there. James is Brighton bound next week for Labour's annual conference so you can expect a full conference season wrap-up podcast at some point in the not-too-distant future. Don't forget you can find all of the latest updates, papers and consultation responses on our policy hub. Just visit iabuk.com forward slash policy. And of course, you can find more episodes of this podcast on our site too or listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.